Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to come to your house today and, and worship you. We know because of your power and your majesty and your grace, you're truly worthy to be praised. As we come into your presence this morning, help us to respond to that the way you would have us and get whatever message you would have us to get. We just thank you for the commitment of time and talents and energy that Brother Ryan and, and Melissa have put into your service. We praise they go into worship at this time that you would use them to speak through and give the message you would have us all to receive. Help us all to be focused on you and, and, and heart and mind and spirit and uh, just watch over these services and uh, may your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Y'all are dismissed. Can head to Children's Church now. By the way, John, before I forget, since we're a small and formal church, and I do things small and formal sometimes, Marcelo has a violin. So, anyways, and we didn't invite Marcelo up here to pray over him either. What a jerk I was this morning. So, Marcelo is leading uh, our Spanish preaching service this morning. So, what we're going to do as a congregation is we're going to bow and pray one more time, and we'll pray for Marcelo as well. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this time to come before, um, Lord, and just sit around your word as a church family. Father, I, I do think I'm grateful for the prayers over myself and Melissa, but God, we ask, Lord, that you'd be with uh, Pastor Marcelo. Uh, Father, thank you for the calling on his life, Father, and uh, to, to lead in ministry and to uh, proclaim your truth, Father, as he leads our congregation, Father, to reach the nations in Mason County. Father, thank you for the call on the fire, Lord, that you renewed just a couple weeks ago in our time together. And, Lord, what lies before us as a church, Father, as we get mobilized to reach more and more Hispanics. But, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak through him in a powerful way as he preaches your word this morning. Father, I pray that you would pull back or reveal your truth to those that hear um, Lord, him preach as you speak through him. I pray that for myself, too. I'm in great need of you. We pray in this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, this morning, um, we are going to do a particular series uh, for Advent. I told you a couple of weeks ago we were going to start a series through Genesis, and we will get back to that Pastor John did an excellent job last week specifically looking at Genesis chapter 3 about what to do as we face temptation of sin. And he challenged us to, to question who is, whom are we listening to uh, in this world? Are we listening to ourselves? Are we listening to, um, to those around us? But challenging us to listen to the Word of God and the Spirit of God uh, and to know that we will always be deceived if we are not listening to God. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to uh, you know, take a break from the Genesis narrative, and we'll get back into that into January. Uh, but the two scriptures, uh, the, the, the text that John preached from last week and the text that I'm going to preach from this morning, 
uh, are going to tie in very nicely together. And I, I might be wrong, but I'm willing to bet the majority of you have not had this text preached at Christmas time. Uh, but we're going to do four weeks going through uh, the, the, uh, the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. If you'd go ahead and open your own copy of God's Word uh, to Revelation 12, I'd like you to do that now. Uh, and for some, uh, the book of Revelation is kind of a, kind of a scary uh, you know, book. Uh, you know, I, I asked the students this morning um, in, in, uh, in, in Sunday school about Revelation and their thoughts on it. I told them that the Greek word uh, for the word Revelation is apokalupto, where we get the word apocalypse. Uh, and I said, what does that word make you think about? And one of the students said, the zombie apocalypse. That's what they thought it made them think of. Uh, you know, we, you know, the, the apocalypse is, you know, we, we automatically think about the end times and because literally that's the, the word revelation means apocalypse. Uh, but the, the, the true meaning of the word isn't just about end times. It's actually about the unveiling or the pulling back of, of something in order to see what was, uh, covered up, uh, to see behind the curtain as you will. Uh, and the, the author of the book of Revelation is, is uh, the disciple John. As history tells us, John is the only disciple out of the twelve uh, that didn't die a martyr's death save Judas, of course. And he died as an old man on the island of Patmos. Uh, John was the youngest disciple. Uh, the, the Gospels, often, particularly in the book of John, describe him as the one whom Jesus loved. Jesus and John had a special relationship. He was probably just a teenager as he was a disciple following Jesus. Uh, John was a very active uh, church planner uh, after Jesus' ascension to heaven, after his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, and eventually, he ended up uh, imprisoned on this island of Patmos by the Romans. And he lived long enough to begin to see the early uh, persecution of the Christian church. The persecution of the Christian church uh, didn't really get serious. It, it had always been there, but it got really serious uh, about this time, towards the closing of the first century. Uh, and so he's writing a text here, and, and basically the, the scripture describes it as he was given a vision on this island of Patmos in prison, uh, and that he was told to write these things down. Uh, and, and I just want to kind of give you a general understanding of this book before we go into it. Uh, but but the, the understanding is, is that, um, you know, he, he was told, and uh, I believe there in Genesis 1.19, it says, Therefore, write what you have seen, what is, and what will take place after this. He wrote in the Revelation in chapter 1, uh, things that uh, you, you have seen. Write down what, what you've seen, what's happened already. Uh, in chapters 2 through 3, he's actually writing about the things that are. He's writing to seven churches that he planted in Asia Minor. Uh, and he, he tells them to, to write to these seven churches about what, what is actually happening now. But then in verse 4 through 22, things that will take place. And so he's trying to actually communicate to these churches what's happened in the past. And he's trying to reveal to them what's happening right now in their circumstance and that when this book was written at the end of the first century but then he's trying to reveal to them what's going to happen in the future and so <coughs> excuse me i really hope as we look at this text over the next uh, several weeks that that same thing will happen with us 
That, that God will, will pull back the curtain as we study Scripture, but we also think about our lives and we think about Advent. We think about Christ coming to the earth. If we're really going to be legalistic about Christmas, we wouldn't be worshiping at the end of December. We would be, we would be celebrating Christmas sometime in March. But it's okay. Culture co-op, you know, the church co-opted culture to bring the maximum effect of this, and we, we celebrate it now in December. But I really hope that we can stop and the curtain can be pulled back for you, for you to see what Christmas really is. And I do hope it's a time of renewal, a time of recommitment, uh, but, but maybe a, a first-time commitment and a first-time understanding of, of what is going on in your life for the purposes and the glory of God. This text we're going to look at, as you read it, it's going to be kind of freaky, okay? It's about a fiery red dragon, okay? Uh, it's, it's about a, a woman in, in, in angry childbirth and much pain. It seems a little bit bizarre, uh, but it, it, it's describing basically the history of the spiritual realm and the warfare that's gone on for your soul. And, and I hope it's a blessing for you. So let's get into it this morning as we look at Revelation chapter 12. And, and I'm going to just specifically look at... And, and, and excuse me for being snotty and, and drinking water and blowing my nose. I'm, I, I apologize. I won't try to do that really loud in the microphone, but um, thank you for your graciousness there. But let's look together in this text. In Revelation 12, we're going to just look this morning at the first, uh, the first six verses of chapter 12. Um, and, and then we're going to try to identify who are the characters in this divine drama. And at the beginning of it, what does it mean? So let's look to God's word together. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the sun, with, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony, as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon, one having seven heads and ten horns and on its heads were seven crowns, uh, with its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman and was about to give birth, so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male who was going to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness. There she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. Now that text puts you in the Christmas spirit, doesn't it? Does it, does it get you in the mood, you know, uh, for jingle bells? And, um, you know, maybe not so much. Um, but I promise you, as I've studied this text, uh, it's, it's actually you know, been one of the best blessings for me in the preparation for Christmas for me personally. Now, let, let's just think about the context of those that, that are hearing this message first, okay? Uh, so it's, it's these churches, these seven churches in Asia Myers. They received this letter. And, and basically, they were in uh, three different categories. Um, they, they, were, they knew the rumblings and things that were coming with this persecution, and they knew that they were about to face a great challenge. Some of them were already in the midst of it. Uh, they were already in the midst of the challenge. Or some of them were maybe the challenge had just happened and, and they're trying to recover and they're recoiling from it. Now, I, I really and truly believe that each of us can find ourselves here in this context. 
It doesn't matter. Challenge and troubles uh, mark every single one of us. It's a challenge that we're about to face. It's a challenge that you're in right now. Or it's a challenge that you just got out of, okay? And you're fixing to jump back into that cycle. I I mean, I think all of us are there. I think we all face challenges. Um, Now, uh, it's sometimes difficult for me uh, to talk about and to preach about persecution um, you know, standing in a pulpit in America because I don't think we completely understand all of the context of persecution. Now, spiritual persecution and what the Satan is doing, I mean, it, it's, it's apparent as we study this whole text and we'll see it in greater detail. We know that persecution is happening around this world in a very tangible way. And, and in fact, there's no greater evidence of fake news as we hear about it all the time for the fact that it's not just blatantly before us all the time as we hear about the persecution of the church. It, it's happened. I, uh, the, the numbers are startling, the number of Christians that die for their faith. But, but I do want us to see and understand here today as we look at this text, and we're fixing to break it down, that there is an enemy, there is a cosmic struggle that's been happening here around us, that is continuing to happen, but there's a reason behind it, and there's a purpose behind it. And I hope, you know, we will, our faith will have a greater context as we look at that this morning. But first, let's think about this. Who are the characters in this divine drama? It says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with a woman under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony. She was about to give birth. Who is this woman? What, what is your just initial, initial response? As I was talking with the students this morning, they, you know, you know very assertively, they, they thought this is a picture of Mary. Uh, our Roman Catholic friends, they, they have that view of, of, of Mary very concretely. Uh, there's some in the Protestant tradition that they'll try to push back really hard against this, and they'll even maybe describe this woman not as Mary but of the church. Um, you know, and I, I see where both of them get there. I think they're both incorrect, though. Uh, number one, let's let's take the issue of Mary. As you read all of all of uh, chapter twelve or uh, the twelve, you'll see some other clues, but. Um, you know, I think we look very, from very, very easily. We don't have to spend a lot of time. The child in the story is Jesus. We see in chapter in verse five, it's talking about the, the child was born and would rule the nations with an iron uh, scepter. We know that that is Jesus, uh, but but we also see this description of who Mary is. This great woman says she's you know has this, uh, it says that she was clothed with the sun, with the moon, and uh, under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. All the other descriptions in Scripture, not in what history has told us since then and what the church has said about Mary, but all before this. We need, we need to be chained to Scripture. Who are you listening to? You're listening to culture. You're listening to tradition. You're listening to Scripture. Okay, Mary's never described in, in this particular way, adorned with this majesty in this particular position. She's always described as a humble woman, a, a young virgin going through this difficult circumstance, facing persecution because of her state and her situation. There is some elevation of her in Scripture later on, uh, but, but this, this description in this particular time in history, I don't think the original readers would have gone directly to Mary here. Now, it, there's no way it can be the church, okay, because the description here of, the, of this woman giving birth to a baby Okay, uh, the church does not give birth to Jesus. Okay, the, 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 Jesus does not come from the church. Okay, 
The church comes from Jesus, okay? I think that's a really important description there as well. But when we look about the fact that she was adorned with the sun, the moon under her feet, and the 12 stars around her head, I believe this is talking about Israel, okay? Israel. Israel was to be illuminated amongst the nations because of their place as the people of God's position on the earth to do important work. Israel was, was born out of the promise and the covenant with Abraham that he would be a blessing to all the nations. And, and those that, that would bless him would be blessed. Those that, that cursed him would be cursed. But he would, he, he would, he would have as many descendants as the number of, of stars in the heavens and the sands on the seashore. You've heard this description of Abraham before. And the fact that it says there's 12 stars around her head. There's a special purpose of Israel in this story, and the Messiah would come through Israel. The blessing to all the nations would come through Israel. We are an example of the covenant with Abraham. That's why we're here worshiping King Jesus, because of that promise to Abraham. And, and so I, my opinion is this, this is a picture of Israel. Though God did you know, use Mary to be a part of the story, th- th- this description is Israel because of some further evidence that we'll get into in the next couple of weeks. Now, so we, 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 that, that's my position, that's my understanding is that Messiah came through Israel. And we see a promise later on is that Israel still has a plan, a purpose in the future. And it's evident that the fact that we have Israel here today. We'll get back to that here in just a little bit. Uh, but then later on, uh, who is this other character that seems so strange here? The great red dragon. The great red dragon. Now, as we look a little bit further down in the text, and it says specifically who it is. In verse 9 it says, So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Well, we're going to get into that detail next week. But, but basically the, the serpent is described here in the text there in the next verses, lurking there before the woman who's about to give birth is clearly the devil. That's who he is. And, 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 but just, just think about the vulnerability of this woman, okay? There, there's no greater uh, vulnerability uh, for a woman and her child other than when she's about to give birth, okay? It, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just a, a horrific situation uh, without, without getting into you know, too much inappropriate detail. I was trying to describe that to junior high kids this morning, uh, just so you know how that could have gone, you know. Uh, but uh, in fact, if any of you think that's inappropriate, boy, you're my next junior high teacher. Come on and bail me out, okay? But, but we were talking about that. I mean, and just, just think about this perverted thing that this, this dragon was just sitting there waiting for this child to be born so he could eat it. He could kill it. He could devour it. What, what a wicked thing that this story is talking about. And what on earth does this have to do with Christmas? Why, why, can, why, why should this be a Christmas story? It, it doesn't make any sense. It, it just sounds so weird. Um, uh, well, I, I think from, from, from the description of Scripture, we, we, we know what this is talking about. We're talking about Christmas we're talking about, um, about you know, the, the story that, that John preached about last week in Genesis chapter 3. In fact, let, let me just share that with you. This is the first gospel. The first gospel is proclaimed in all of Scripture. After sin entered the world uh, through the deception of Eve, 
uh, and, then, and then she gave the, the fruit to Adam, and then God came and revealed them in their shame and then, and then pronounced this curse. He told the serpent, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. It, it, it was a promise. It was a promise. Sin entered the world, and sin has corrupted everything about us. And when, we, when I talk about sin, let me just tell you what I'm talking about here, okay? I mean, th- th- this is what this conflict's been about. From that time in the beginning, there's two types of sin that we suffer, you individually. You, you suffer the individual sins that you commit yourselves, but you also suffer the sins of others, and the consequences of those sins. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about everything from the, 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 the twisted pervertedness of nature, okay, and, and, and cancer and disease and sickness, to the old harassment and, and, and mistreatment you have received at the hands of others when you were weak and vulnerable, even now today perhaps, but even your own particular sin. It all goes back to this root in this time here. But then whenever we look at this scripture and we see what is occurring here in Revelation chapter 12, it's a picture that John was trying to pull back and show to these churches as God had shown him and told him to write this down. This is what is happening when Jesus is coming back. Whenever he is returning, he is coming back to to give a remedy to this. But, but, But let's just think about it for a moment too. To just to understand the nature of this enemy that, that's involved in this conflict and the conflict and the challenges that we're facing, whether it's just the challenge of sin or, or, or the divine uh, demonic intervention. I shouldn't even say divine, but the demonic intervention of Satan because you have to grapple with Scripture as the enemy is described as one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. He wants to, he wants to literally devour us, especially if we proclaim to be his children on this earth. What is going on with that? Because as we look at this story, do you know what I see? I see God's divine love at work. Well, how do you see love in all of this? Whenever you look at this picture, we have to think about who is Satan? Who is our enemy? Now, as we look here at the text, let me go back and just, just, just review it real quickly. Now, let's pick it up in verse 3. Then, then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery dragon. Uh, having seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven crowns. I'm not going to get into all that imagery, what it means, but its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. That's a picture of the rebellion in heaven um, whenever a third of the angels fell away in, in Satan's rebellion. We'll get more into that next week. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that, she, uh, so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. She gave birth to a son a male who is going to rule all nations with an iron scepter. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had put a place prepared by, to a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. So, so the scene is this. There's the woman who is Israel who is about to finally give birth and to bring about the Messiah to fulfill all these promises. I'm going to tell you, everything, 
All of the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 3 has been a story about the seed of the woman that's going to be brought about to being born here in the narrative we're reading in the book of Luke. But, but also a part of that entire story is the story of the scheme of this enemy, the devil, who wants to devour this child. But then just there, in just a, a few short words, it basically describes that this child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled. Right there, I mean, just, just right there um, at the end of, of, of chapter, of, of verse 5, all the nations with an iron uh, throne, her child was born. It's, it, that, that's the gospel stories right then and there. If, if you want a, a really, uh, you know, a, a preacher that's really brief, I know sometimes some of you make fun of me and say I'm really long, that's the gospel stories, all of them right there in just that one story. The child was born, he was victorious in his position, he was caught up to heaven. Boom, it's done and it is accomplished. Oh. But, but let's just talk a bit more about this enemy and about Satan. Because uh, I just, I mean, like, still, I'm still wondering, what is, what is, what is, why is he so relentless why is, why is he wanting to devour a child? That sounds sick. I, I mean, I don't even know if I want to hear that at church. Here, here's the answer to, to this issue here, especially when we think about what, what Satan does and, 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 and what the enemy is about on the earth. And even as we are living a hope for the king today and we, we, we face struggle, the idea is this, is that basically, you know, we know that Satan is a coward, we understand this completely because we have to understand that, that Satan is completely terrified of God. Think about the two things about he's a coward, but he is completely terrified of God. You know, I, I remember one time, um, I don't know, does anyone remember the, 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 uh, the, the, the TV show Unsolved Mysteries? You may remember that, yeah? Okay. Not many of you watched much TV. That's good. Not many hands went up there. But I remember there was an episode on Unsolved Mysteries about uh, the, this catfish restaurant in Waxahachie, Texas. I don't know. I don't remember it was in Waxahachie, Texas. But I remember the story that you go and eat here, and, and sometimes people often see ghosts roaming through this old house, you know. Well, that, that restaurant, it's called the Catfish Plantation, was just right around the corner from the house that Rachel and I bought when we were living in Waxahachie. And we went there to eat there, and the person reminded me that this is that house from Unsolved Mysteries. And the waitress said, don't worry, don't, don't be alarmed if you happen to see a ghost while you're sitting here eating. It's just, it's just the resident ghost. I said, well, ma'am, don't be alarmed if you see me flip over a table and start preaching, because I'm a preacher, and, and uh, we're, we're going to have a response if that happens here, right? And guys, we see the anger we see the perversion of Satan here because he, he understands what's coming. Think about the Old Testament. Think about, how, how about uh, in, in the book of, um, um, I have it written, how about in the book of Esther? You know, the book of Esther is one of the only books in the, the Old Testament, I think Ruth is there as well, where the name of God isn't even mentioned once. But it's the story of God using a man, a man named Haman uh, to, to, to work in him to completely destroy every Jew that was living in that land. You know, I mean, I mean, like, like where, where does that come from? How about in our own history of more modern times, whenever we think about World War II and Hitler, and how, I mean, how Satan has moved in people. He wants to completely annihilate an entire race of people. 
Now, the, the scripture's going to get more interesting here as we read more in this text. There's going to come a time and a place where that attack is just going to be completely concentrated and shifted upon the church because Satan wants to completely devour and destroy us. But here is a great reminder is that God has always preserved his people. It has not mattered the persecution that has come against it. It has not mattered the circumstances surrounding their situation. God has always preserved his people. And and, and I just want you to take it to the bank. I hope that, that you are encouraged by this, that God's people and God's plan will always prevail because God's love and God's plan is perfect. And he's got a plan for your life. And he, I, I just want just to just, just, just mention this one thing because I think it's extremely important when we talk about the enemy that we face. Is that the, the, the truth is, is that if we are not living in covenant in relationship with God and walking before him humbly and serving him on this earth, it is quite possible that we will be destroyed. And we will be hurt greatly because this enemy wants to destroy us. And the more he has been put off, the more he has been defeated, and we're going to see that throughout the month of December, the more he comes back harder and harder against the people of God. Because he knows his days are numbered. But, but you know, I, I take great heart from that. I mean, I understand that there is a great conflict going on, but I understand that God's love will not allow the enemy to prevail against me. As I'm walking in faith, because God has provided for me. He has provided. But I want you to know, when you step outside of God's love, you step outside of that, I mean, it's rough. It hurts. I remember stepping out there boldly as a young man, going to do it the world the way Ryan wants to do it. And I was just barely able to drag myself back in, in that relationship with Christ. And I don't mean to say you lose your relationship with Christ, but I'm here to tell you, you can be in this new covenant and try to live out in the world. I don't think I was ever in danger of losing my faith. I don't believe Scripture supports that idea. But I do believe that we can be harmed by this enemy because of how fierce he is. But here is the amazing thing, the amazing truth. He doesn't win. He doesn't win. He is victorious. Here's what I want you to think about. What is the Christmas story about? The Christmas story is about the battle we are facing and the battle cry that leads us on. If you have faith in Christ and you believe that this gospel that we are celebrating at Christmas time, we have to understand that we will not retreat from the spiritual battle we are in, in life. This picture in Revelation is it's the curtains pull back and the truth is revealed. At the end of times, it's this reality that everyone's living in this, in this, in this bl- with blinders on. They, they don't understand the spiritual realm, the spiritual ramifications of Christ and his work and what he's been, God's been doing on this earth. We walk around deceived by the darkness and deceived by the sin. There's going to come a time whenever it's all going to be revealed to everybody. But it might be too late for some, but God has given us his word and we take great gratefulness and thankfulness to know that we know the truth now and so if we know that's what the christmas story is about is there must be no retreat in us and the battle cry the battle cry of this of this of this fight that we're in it's it's not the 
Republican or Democratic Party platforms. It's not, the battle is not now easy here. It's not the impeachment inquiry. It's not the culture war. That is not the battle cry. The battle is for the souls of men and women, and our weapon is the Word of God, and our battle cry is the gospel. The Messiah has come. Is that what stirs you? Is that what drives you? Is that what causes you to get out of bed every day and and toil and work on this earth? Because we see at the end of Revelation 12 that all of the energy and all the hostility that was put towards the woman trying to devour the child and then turning this angelic battle we'll look at next week is eventually turned to the church. And he's coming after us. But it's okay. Because I know his tail is going to get kicked. And it's, that's why sometimes I'm sitting in my office. I'm sitting in my, at my house. I'm in my pickup going somewhere. And I get a text message or a phone call from a brother or sister or someone that, that, that speaks about a, a, a spiritual victory uh, over, over a struggle, you know, over, over a temptation or, or over just, just some horrible thing. And I hang up the phone and sometimes I just let out a whoop. Does anybody ever do that? I just get so excited whenever I see God being victorious. But here's the thing, so many people have told me that, that they, just, they, they, just, they just don't ever see God move. I just, want you, I just want the curtain to be pulled back and you to see it. God is being victorious every day at every moment, and I want to be a part of that. So I just ask you this question. Are you a part of this divine narrative? If you've seen evil and you know it's real, and you, you understand the pervertedness, perverted nature of Satan. I mean, you think about the things that you've experienced yourself. You think about the hurt you've gone through or the hurt you've seen other people go through. Understand that, that pervertedness, it, it, it has a source. But I want you to know it will be defeated. It will be conquered completely and wholly. And God wants you to be a part of that conquering. He wants you to be a part of that battle. So the question is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you have that relationship, are you living in that covenant relationship? That's the question every week as we look at God's word. And if you're not, it's available. If you're saying I am, but I'm in the battle, I'm in the challenge, and I'm getting my tail kicked, I cannot see God in this. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. Because I want to walk beside you. I want to tell you stories. I want to share different men's stories and women's stories of victory so you can know the victory that's coming. It might not look what you think it should look like. I mean, just imagine the church hearing this story, okay, going through great persecution, and and, and they're reading this story, and John's saying, hold on, don't worry. What about my family that just got wiped out? I mean, there is a whole line of witnesses someday They're going to share with us the unveiling of God's truth in despite of the most wicked and horrible destruction. It's all because of this gospel that we take for granted so much. Don't take the gospel for granted. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, come and get it. Let's talk about it. Let's pray. But if you have the relationship, live in it. God's love never fails. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the divine drama that we read this morning but father that lord the truth that you have lord you have cemented in me father in my faith lord to know 
Because of the advent or the special coming of Christ, God, it means, Father, that I, Lord, have been given the privilege to live in the middle of this divine drama with you. Father, for me to understand, Father, that I do not have to be a victim, Father, to the perverted nature of this culture, the perverted nature of the enemy in this world. But Father God, I can be a part of the refuge or to, to share the gospel. But Father, the refuge, Lord, gives us protection. But Father, it's more than just being protected. Father, your word also tells us that your church, Father, is not just hiding from the attacks of this Satan. But God, we are on the offensive, taking the gospel out. Father, Lord, sharing your word and standing strong fearless in the face of this great fear. God, would you please move in us in your great love, the love that we don't deserve, Father. Reveal to us, God, Lord, that if we continue to follow you in your love, if we continue to share your love in a selfless manner because of who you are and what you have done, God, we can stand against the fear and the challenges that we face. Father, those are here this morning that don't have a relationship with Father, that they don't really understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. Father, would you please, Lord, Lord, call out to them through your Holy Spirit this morning to respond at this time, to put their faith and trust in you. Father, for those that that know you, but, Father, are struggling to walk with you or feeling the, the ramifications of living outside of your will, God, I pray, Lord, that you call them to repentance this morning. Lord, for those that are just facing challenges and they they just need help understanding why or how to navigate. Oh, God, would you call them, Lord, to respond this morning, Father. Lord, the challenges are real. The enemy is real. But, Father, your love and your power is more profound than any challenge that we'll face. So, Father, if you want those to respond this morning, whether, whether they stand there or they come down forward for prayer or just to talk, God, would you please call people this morning to respond. Would you stand on your feet? We're going to play a song. You sing that song. If God is tugging at your heart to respond this morning, you do that. We won't be long. But this is an opportunity to respond to God's love. Turn your eyes upon Jesus Fall in His wonderful things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and turn your eyes turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face understand the battle. Father, whether it's disease, Father, whether it's just heartache at the time of the holidays, Father, uh, Lord, whether it's financial struggle, Father, Lord, I, I don't know, Lord, what the persecution, the challenges are, but God, I know that you are fully aware of them. Father, I just pray as we leave here today, God, that we would take hope, 
Lord, in your great love and your power, Father, I pray, God, for those that are struggling. Father, remind them, Father, if they have a relationship with you, God, if they be found in you, Lord Jesus, Father, there's no fear to be had, only love. Lord, help us to live that way this week and keep us safe. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'll play a song and you'll be dismissed.